0: Mental preparation, I would say, that if you're looking to grow and change the world, right now, the scarlet lettering of taking someone down is ideological and it's moral.
1: Hey there, I'm Stan Stoniker, and we're back with another episode of the Hub Culture Chronicles. This time, we're at East Denver, in the beautiful mountain city of Denver, Colorado. Joining me right now is a pretty amazing Crypto influencer, my friend Marin Altman. She's a trader, an investor, and an astrologer. And she's the founder of a new project called Astrace. Now, Marin, what we're talking about today isn't exactly crypto, isn't exactly astrology, even though I think we maybe will get into that. <laughs> but um, we're actually going to talk about cancel culture. So, can you tell us a little bit about um, who you are and what you do, and then get into some of the story that you have around um, how people treat people online.
0: Yeah. So I started out being interested in astrology from a very young age. And that led me throughout my adolescence to go from personality and character-based astrology of all my friends and people I knew into studying world cycles and political events and I had an acting background, so I went to New York University for acting initially and found that my interest in astrology and tracking world events was stronger than that. So I switched to studying philosophy, which supported that better. And I loved NYU. I graduated early. I was studying astrology with political movements and uh, larger world cycles to then graduate in early 2020. And as I was graduating that spring, the March 2020 crash happened in the financial markets. And I realized that I needed to start investing if I wanted any income, basically, or not income. But with the little money I had, I knew that I had to invest that. And throughout that crash um, and the difficulties, I began to track the financial markets and I found crypto through that. I found Bitcoin first, started dollar cost averaging, which then led me to Ethereum, and then I started trading. And that's when I really found my stride, I guess you could say. So I was tracking a lot of political world events and also financial markets. And that led me to where I am today with founding things in space and um, getting more large scale opportunities to track astrology. Not only just uh, for myself, but um, have a social following
1: around that. So it's really cool. So you've taken astrology, your kind of passion and um, your interest, and you've married that into your trading strategies in largely the markets, specifically crypto markets. That's sort of where we're at today.
0: Yeah, I still do astrology for other world events. Um, Like sadly for the Super Bowl, I predicted correctly that the visiting team would win. I have no idea anything about football. So I had no idea that the Rams were the visiting team. I thought, oh, LA, oh, this must mean the Rams lose. Everyone told me they're like, your prediction doesn't make any sense because you say visiting team and then the Rams, it's like your geography's off. Like it's visiting team, which would be the Bengals. They win. Um, And then of course I pull up the Super Bowl and I see that there's a weird AFC and FC thing where it doesn't matter on the Super Bowl whose home team you're playing. Like it's the, the it's different. So yeah, I do other world events still, but largely my focus even outside of astrology is crypto for a myriad of reasons. So now I focus on trading and investing with that as well.
1: Well, I'd love if we have time to get into whether or not you've done any work around looking at Ukraine and what's going on with Russia. so Yeah,
0: there's posts about that.
1: Yeah, Yeah. we should talk about that. But let's talk about your story of how you became an influencer, because what this episode really is about is how people treat people online. And you have gone through some pretty traumatic stuff. And I've talked to you in various locations where we've met around the world over the last year and gotten to know that you're a genuine person and that you care about things. But I've also seen that you've you've had a little bit of like, you know, you've taken some hits, let's just say. So let's talk about this story. I want to give you a chance to tell your story in a kind of different way, in a kind of considerate way. So let's start with like TikTok. So you are pretty famous on TikTok. I came across you in my For You page accidentally because I love kind of spiritual stuff and I love crypto stuff. And you are in the middle of that Venn diagram. You blew up to millions of users um, and followers uh, who wanted to hear your take (laughs) on crypto. So let's talk about how that happened for you and what the result was.
0: My initial video on TikTok was in spring 2020 and it was a Why I hate your Zodiac sign video. It was stupid. I was just calling the signs. Like I cuss a lot. Like it was so stupid. But that blew up because without any traction on my account, they fed astrology to its normal users, which are teenagers who couldn't take satire. So I got like 20,000 followers in a week from that one video because of hate. Like and I didn't even care. It was like a stupid video. It blew up, and I never had more than a thousand followers on any platform. Um, nothing to my name. I liked posting on social media, but I just kind of had this thought that you're never going to blow up. To blow up on social media takes once in a lifetime media deal or something. And I was like, no one's ever going to find me. Like I'll just keep posting literally what I do today on Instagram and Twitter, and it'll just be me. Um, I always thought that I would go into astrology, philosophy, academia, that kind of thing, and never really thought social media would play a part in that. But when that blew up, I saw the possibility for TikTok to be a method of organic reach that no other platform had, and I dedicated my life to it. And I got to around 100,000 followers by July, but my account was flagged for spam. And so it got severely shadow banned, was not showing videos to more than 100 people that were searching for that video, it wouldn't show them organically. So I had to restart my account in October 2020, and I decided you're only going to talk about what really interests you, which is world events, not as many jokes, even though if you get a good joke, why not share it? And the world event that interested me was the U.S. political cycle at that point, which was the election. And I'd been doing work for months around the election in my personal life. And I crafted like a really well thought out series of videos around not only the election outcome, which is a coin toss like 50-50, but the events leading up to it, which included Trump getting COVID, which included the debates themselves, and also the events afterward, like the Electoral College and protests January 6th. And other people in politics as well. Um, I remember predicting things, various wins, various losses for each side of the political aisle, and um, they came true with a startling rate of accuracy and detail. And that blew me up to over a million followers in early 2021, when the election, January 6th, all these things actually happened in the world. So that led me to, as I blew up, get accused of my content in the past being retroactively plagiarized and stolen because there were astrologers that did prior videos to the topics that i discussed that said yo i did a video on this and i was like yeah this is you know there's wikipedia pages on this these events um i didn't particularly see yours Uh, i did not take from you i have google docs papers of research going back several years i didn't take from you Then because as my identity as at that point, I mean, I wasn't wealthy by any means, but I was financially independent. I was making enough money through readings to support myself and travel. And I was investing it for a little bit of crypto income at the time. You know, I would trade and get some profits back. Um, And also a straight white woman. I was immediately, you're racist, you're homophobic, you're transphobic for disagreeing and saying that you're not stealing from these communities of color or LGBTQ communities because, you were automatically um, a colonizer. And given that I had deeply been in the TikTok and in the New York and as an NYU student, the leftist kind of avenues, I immediately thought, oh my God, you are, regardless of if you literally did steal or if you literally did do any of this, that by default you had to be. I immediately was like.
1: Is that some sort of like TikTok guilt? You know, you, you have we, they talk about white guilt yes. and white privilege. Yes. And both of them are, in a, their own way, toxic. Yes. And yes. so did you f- feel that, like, be, just because people called you out on something, even though you said I, this wasn't what actually happened, it's the optics? And so you ended up feeling somehow responsible for I this? I felt
0: like I had to plead guilty to get the minimum sentence, so that when all this went down and old tweets were brought up that had nothing to do. I don't have any N word tweets. I don't have any slur tweets at all. I don't even have anything like that. They were taken out so out of context. Like there were times when I was talking about financial markets and it was said to be racist or Mm -hmm. very, very strange, convoluted things. Things were Photoshopped. I started to be like, I need to plead guilty to a little bit. So they're like, oh, that's all she did. When I didn't do any of it, I agreed to work with a PR company that had done a lot of previous celebrities that did not understand that I didn't do anything. Therefore they kind of crafted some messaging and I put it out and then,
1: and you're also really new at this, like you're 21 years old, you've blown up to millions of followers. And then all of a sudden you're being asked to kind of reevaluate everything you ever said.
0: Yeah. The difficulty was that I knew deep down that over years, I had been pretty open on my platforms about not resonating with viewing any other astrologers content for years. Like I have threads of me being like, I don't know what's going on. Uh, I really only want to stick to my research because I don't, I literally don't care what anyone else is doing. So to then be accused of plagiarism itself, you know, like I I pretty early on was like, this is ridiculous. Like being accused of the, the isms that literally, it wasn't even like a out of context. It was like, so out of context to where I'm like, what the hell? Like this was, I was talking about like a vegan recipe and they're like, choose this palm oil, anti-indigenous. Like it went to that level of, or, or me posting a picture. Oh, this is, this is an uh, eating disorder like, that this, I was just like, I don't even know where to begin. Like this is just me uh, like in dinner with friends. Like I just, insane.
1: Well, so, I mean, I think that this points to the heart of what I wanted to talk about in yeah. this episode, which is how we treat people online and this idea of council culture. So yeah. cancel culture has become this like gigantic thing. And I think there's even a backlash now happening where people are starting to wake up and say like, okay, like definitely if somebody is doing something that is, you know, offensive, it needs to be called out. Sure. But at the same time, where is the line between calling people out for sort of bad behavior and shaping a narrative to make somebody look worse,
0: exactly. you know, there's like a really different thing. Exactly. Because I kept being the, the thing is that even when I explain it now, I know the exact way that my old woke mob self would have heard me saying this thinking, Oh my God, this shut the fuck up. Like you are this, like, you know what you did. Like I know their mindset very, very well because I was never loud, but I, Was immersed in it by proxy. I had to be. You know, I was getting New York TikTok fed to me. I was an NYU student and I thought I was a leftist. The one thing I will say that I did wrong was I I didn't know that leftism was tied to economics. So as soon as I learned about finance, I'm like, I'm not a leftist. I'm a little more laissez faire. I think I I don't want to hurt or help people necessarily. I want open opportunity and that's not leftism. And so when I started to say that, that was even before this, I got backlash, but that was more like, look, the definition didn't fit me. I will, I will say, I I apologize for using an incorrect definition. Um, But what I see now is knowing that I, knowing the way that when I say this and I defend myself, it will be interpreted an ongoing issue is people being like, you need accountability. You need accountability. You need like like all this accountability, but it's square one. If someone did not do something, then there's no accountability to be had versus someone who might have said something homophobic in the past or a slur who had no idea that that was like, I know people. But even
1: if somebody does do that, there's a really fundamental question about should that be held against them for the rest of their life?
0: Right.
1: You know, quite quite frankly.
0: Exactly. Because I can think of many situations where I never said anything but I had no idea that something was offensive like I am um, in no like I remember thinking that the word gay was a derogatory word before I knew it was a sexual orientation I never said it in that way cuz it was derogatory but I grew up in like Texas with like sports players and then I was like oh my brother's gay wait, wait 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 oh that's what it means like I had no idea so that's not in writing anywhere that I said that I was very young but I I fundamentally remember that thinking Someone could have absolutely no idea. So, before Especially we start, youth, right? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So before we start holding people accountable, the question is, are you taking someone out of context to such an extreme degree where the narrative cannot even exist outside of what you believe them to be doing because you want them to feel bad? Because this literal witch hunt of burning people to the ground is very different than rehabilitation or rerouting and it was so insane because But
1: there's also a question about who's doing the rehabilitation and the rerouting and under what circumstances it's people who like, I, who gets yeah. to say what is what.
0: Right. Right. Because I really admire the all in podcast with like Chamath and Jason Sachs and these investors and they range the political spectrum, but they themselves are like, when you reach a certain amount of accomplishment, they will throw every ism they have at you until it sticks. So that people who haven't accomplished anything can feel like accomplishment equals being evil. And Michael Malice, who's like an anarchist thinker and pretty like big in the anti-woke space, he phrases it as, and this does not always apply, but he phrases it as, this two-year, three-year pandemic of being locked inside has given low-status people who have nothing to claim besides being allowed online an opportunity to take down people who have built something for themselves. And I think that sadly…
1: But I'm going to push back on that yeah, a little bit yeah. because I can see where you, as a person who has been fortunate and worked hard enough… I mean, one of the things that I don't think people give you enough credit for is I've known you for a year now and you never drink. Like you don't drink and some of that focus and clarity that comes from not drinking actually outputs into your work. Whereas most people your age are drunk four nights a week. And so I can see the difference in your seriousness and the output of your work. And so I think that success that you've earned is very much deserved. And so it's not an accident, but at the same time, a lot of other people don't have access to opportunity. And at the end of the day, when you see something, especially online, and especially if you don't know that person, you know, you may react and, and the internet is the leveling field of yeah. the, of the action. Yeah. So I don't think it's necessarily the fact that people are reacting, but where I do think there's like a line is the chance that you don't get a chance to respond and set the record right without being yeah. constantly attacked. Right. Cause it's yeah. one thing to have a conversation and to raise it, but then it's the cancellation, right? Yeah. It's, it's the like, Hey, like you did one thing and therefore you're done versus hey, you did one thing and then you have a chance to respond or to fix it or, or to, uh, you know, and not everybody has to follow the same path yeah. or exactly have the same rules about what's okay. I mean, there are certain things that are red lines, but for the most part, this is part of what culture is.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I was told early on by people in the crypto space, do not apologize, keep going. And that would be my number one regret of what i did was that i apologized for existing i literally said and i cannot stand i kept the video up because i think it's important for me to be transparent about you know what i've said and done and everything
1: mm-hmm. but
0: i said i did not steal anything but i apologize for my whiteness in the space and this but is that's the wrong thing this to be, is just absurd.
1: but that's just a little bit like
0: i was i was literally passive i was literally but i meant it at the time i meant it i was like i am sorry for not that like that was I literally have that verbatim and it wasn't intended to be passive aggressive at all. It was literally me, the core of my being of I am inherently So is that wrong. really what you were feeling? Oh, hundred percent. So that's, that's like why. right guilt. Yeah, a hundred percent. And it's interesting because I had read all the Abram X, Kendi. I'd read all the- I think Let's
1: it's, it's one thing to apologize, say like, I didn't know this would upset you or I didn't know this could be taken the wrong way. I apologize for that. Right. and. And whether I agree with it or not, I may or may not change my behavior in the future, but I apologize for not knowing something. That's one thing. It's another thing to say, I apologize for my whiteness, which is is like, you you shouldn't, I mean, and if you really felt like that, you shouldn't be made to feel that way. Right,
0: right. And I now see it as, me be just being immersed in that language where that was reality. And um, thankfully it was really only a year of that reality. And then I had people being like, she's from Texas. I was like, bitch, I'm from Houston. Like it's a blue fucking city. Like I was in a liberal city. Like it wasn't really that it was me saying that. And then when I, when I started to quickly wake up because I began to notice that that did not change anything that literally no one cared. That's when the wheels started turning. That is really when I was like, "Oh my god!" Like I remembered the days following. So you that, apologized,
1: and no one cared. You still had the shit storm coming at you,
0: and it got worse because then more things were photoshopped, more things were taken out of context, and it, it it was I've never and and I lost mentors, I lost every professional friend I had in the space minus one because everyone saw the opportunity to claim that in private. I'd say something. It was so unreal it led to physically people coming to my door to try to hurt me and um that led me to actually go to Dubai with my very good friend who was leaving the next day to some crypto things there and um I I found safety there which was ironic no one so
1: you really both emotionally digitally and physically felt hunted
0: yeah and um I'm not a victim but in this situation I have no words to describe how out of context, convoluted and wrong the attack was, because there are times when someone literally has done something incorrect and you can be like, let's hold them accountable. But to be just wrongly, like I'm not the first person to be wrongly accused of plagiarism when I had receipts. I mean, the Rolling Stone had an article claiming that I was a white supremacist that plagiarized when I gave them the, the Google Docs documents to show the edit history of me having talked about this years prior and they did not care. They said they could not verify that uh, I wasn't using someone else's account to claim that I, whatever. Uh, so that was absolutely so unreal. And to this day, I mean, it's an ongoing thing about death threats because once that catches on, people who are well-intentioned and want to feel satisfied we'll ongoing attack you. We'll make things up. And
1: So now do you feel like every word you say is like extra scrutinized?
0: Yes. Beyond belief. Um anytime I say something, literally anything, like, I remember retweeting a quote from Jordan Peterson because I really admire him. And then I realized some people think he's a white supremacist because he talks about um, the value of traditional relationship dynamics. And I am not someone who even ascribes to that usually. But I agree that in large scale studies, that tends to work out well, which doesn't mean it has to apply. For thousands me. of years. For, for, which, <laughs> (laughs) does not mean that it applies to everyone. That's literally why there are anomalies. We will always be anomalies in certain aspects of our life. So by saying that, I somehow erupted. I'm like, bitch, I am a more dominant person. I don't even belong to them. And I can agree. A lot of women do really well in caretaking roles. That's not, and I don't, and that's fine. Uh, And I'm not not someone who's like, I'm not like other girls. In almost every fucking aspect, I'm like other girls. I'm not saying that. But little things like that where you will never win. So there's a degree of giving up control, which is fine. But also seeing that take a hit to my income, my views, everything, and knowing that that is difficult, just like metric wise to see, that's also a difficult part.
1: But don't you think there's also something about even this conversation in terms of being able to stand up for yourself a little bit and say like, hey, there's something wrong about this. There's something wrong about like actually trying to cut down every tall tulip.
0: Yeah. It goes to show that once you create things, even if people mean well initially, jealousy, which I have to be honest, is at the root of this because I was approached within the last few months by a lot of older women who did admit it was a jealousy train. Um, and But, some, but yeah.
1: I think that your view might be that it's jealousy, but I, I think that coming from the point of view of some of these posters and some of these people... There's a, there's a kind of self-righteousness that isn't yeah. necessarily coming from jealousy. They're, it's coming yeah. from trying to right the world so, or trying so, to yeah. you know move an agenda forward. And there, there is no sense of like the casualty, the personal casualty that comes from being attacked like that. Yeah. It's more about like, we're trying to fight against a patriarchy or we're yeah. trying to fight against discrimination or we're trying to fight for Black Lives Matter or we're yeah. trying to move an agenda forward for this. And- so there's a sense of the mission and anything that gets in the way of the mission is fair game.
0: Exactly. Exactly. I do not have, I can say with a very open heart, I have nothing against these people. Like I know what it's like to think that, Oh my God, there's this issue. Let's stop it. And it wasn't until I entered the business space. I was traveling. I was meeting people to where I realized that there was more nuance to what goes into issues and what the solutions affect sense of being, where we can agree that there is a lot of, for example, Black Lives Matter, there's a lot of systemic racism in systems that exist in the world. I don't think that that's an issue. You can see it in code, in laws, etc. Then you see that the way that BLM, which was largely co-opted by industries, then transformed into was very different than the initial premise, and a lot of people who might go into it blindly without um, seeing the financial paper trail. Well, it becomes
1: station. also weaponized. Exactly, that's the biggest problem. That is, is you have a really legitimate, a legitimate, legitimate complaint yeah. and a legitimate movement, and then it gets weaponized it gets, and co-opted.
0: Yeah, it gets co-opted, which is seeing that so many of these people are young. They wear rose-colored glasses, and their identity cannot admit that. Oh, I was wrong with going after this person. It is in the core we met well so i'm not even going to address when we go after the wrong person like it's that's not possible in the matrices and the social blinders and well, so i think that because it, it doesn't fits, fit with... It with the narrative
1: okay so let's talk for a second about advice yeah there are a lot of influencers out there there's a lot of young people there's yeah. there's a lot of people who just have a social media account yeah. what advice would you give to other young people about how to Approach this
0: mental preparation. I would say that if you're looking to grow and change the world right now, the scarlet lettering of taking someone down is ideological and it's moral. And this might change in the future. You know, there's a really nice uh, piece. I forgot where it's written, but recently there was a piece on a major publication that talks about the peak of wokeism has already elapsed. I don't know if I. Agree, I don't think I agree with that, um, but it's an interesting think piece, and I think it goes to show that. Even if you disagree with me about this being a wide-standing issue, even if you think I did what I did, or I did what I'm accused of doing, opening yourself up to what would I do if I'm accused of what I consider to be the ultimate social wrong in the world? Think about the possibility of how you would handle that, because I never in a million years thought that when you're part of a woke mob, you don't realize you're in a woke mob, and by being part of the woke mob, you're the next hit. That... I saw as a joke. Literally, someone who isn't unbinary told me as a joke, "If you have they/them or any other pronouns in your bio, but specifically like they/them, you are their next target." Like if you if you have that, which is a joke, obviously. Like it's.
1: I think it's also. I'm going to push back again though because I think it's really dangerous to say you know you are their target because at the end of the day, what we're talking about are individuals who are acting asynchronously, right. but who have a leveled playing field in terms of voice. Right, And right. this is, I think this is where I get a little bit annoyed about the whole thing because the idea of woke has actually become weaponized and mm. and the idea of being sort of conscious or spiritual or, you know, fighting for like justice. These are all really good things. Yeah. But they're, they're actually being packaged into this kind of woke label, which the right uses as a weapon yeah, exactly. on the other side. And so at the end of the day, what we're talking about here are individuals that I think it comes down to some level of individual responsibility oh, okay. to be like your individual voice when you're DMing a celebrity or you like, okay, you may be one of 10,000, yeah. but this stuff actually does get noticed. And yeah. so you have to think about what you say and remember that there's an actual person on the other side of it yeah. and not, uh, not an ideologue.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't identify with the, definitely obviously not the left, far left side of thinking that these movements are in and of themselves the only thing to consider. I'm also not of the right implication that thinks that any sort of progressivism and consideration of how they include more people is uh, uncomfortable and shouldn't be tolerated. So I don't identify with either side, but I do think that my advice to people starting would be to think about, yeah, like I said, what is your ultimate scarlet letter of I can't believe anyone would call me that. And how would you respond to that? Because you'll probably have to live with that. Or, you know, if you get there, you'll have to live with it. And I just never in a million years thought it was possible for people to come after you for that. Like I literally was blinders up. I never had any idea. And, so, and also
1: you weren't important enough for people to come after you. No,
0: and it was so It was so quick. And also uh, for those of us that grew up in... Families of people that left European countries during World War II. There's a lot. Le- there's a level of humor about tragedy that people who did not grow up in wartime or war ex- like post wartime family households, understand in a way.
1: Do you feel that you've been attacked because of your heritage?
0: No, I think. Well, uh, yes, in a convoluted way. People say I am anti-Semitic, even though my family is Jewish. <laughs> yes, <Holocaust>. you're Jewish. <laughs> yes. Yes, people say I'm anti-Semitic because I openly say that I got into veganism because my grandmother being in the Holocaust opened my eyes to looking for large-scale tragedy that people overlook. So by saying that I'm anti-Semitic and minimizing the Holocaust, which I'm not at all. the Holocaust. But you're just acknowledging
1: the suffering of animals.
0: I'm, igno- I'm acknowledging the connection to how it led me. People want to say that you were saying something they're not, but putting words. Never, I was not comparing that. I was saying it led me. I could say that fucking... Going on a trip led me to veganism. You know what I mean? Like many things would lead me there. I was also, uh, people photoshopped things uh, that said I was anti-Semitic. And like my Jewish family is like, this is fucking absurd. And then of course they're like, they're calling you anti-Semitic because you are Jewish. And I was like, this is insane. But so in a convoluted way, yes. But I will never, ever, ever play the woman card, the Jewish card. No, people hate me because it's me. There are plenty of Jewish people, plenty of women who don't get this kind of interaction. So yeah.
1: What would you do differently? If you could kind of rewind a little bit, what what would you do differently? You already said about the apology thing, which I think that, you know, as we said, there's a difference between apologizing for something you said or because of something you didn't know. And there's a difference for apologizing for something that you are, which you should never apologize for. So those are two different things. But aside from that, is there anything else that you would have done different?
0: I would not have responded to things that were so insane, I should have blocked them where the plagiarism of things that are literally like the weather. I mean, this was not even, this was like basic. Like this is something that you could go after anyone. It it was astounding. It would be like saying that a meteorologist was plagiarizing other meteorologists. It was basic level. It wasn't anything interesting. And I see people quoting me verbatim on niche things, which I could go after them, but I'm not going to. Um, my thing was, if it is absurd, do not give them the time of day. It doesn't matter who it is, block and move on. And with the apology i'd add on to that that um if you're being attacked and you know it's not something you did i would not even apologize for the things that you could say i apologize for not realizing even because there was literally like in my instance there was no slur there was nothing that could have been co-opted to where if you think that you need to apologize for being maybe um careless or just not realizing what you were doing wait until it cools down don't do it in the middle of the mob because they will take that as an admission of guilt for things you didn't do, or they will say you're not taking It'll amplify. Yeah. So in the middle of the heat, literally don't add fire to it. I would say block and keep doing your thing because if they like, to be honest, it it kills me inside to know how poorly I handled it, which other people will say handled it poorly for the opposite reason. I think I handled it poorly because I, was in the woke mom mentality of no, 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 you have it wrong. Like I am sorry. Like no, uh, and it <laughs> beats me up because I it, it led me to a professional route that was amazing. You know, I'm in the cryptocurrency space as a founder. I'm building things with people and that I really admire. Traveling the world with people that I just incredibly admire, and I would not have been doing that had I done that. But you know, ignorance is bliss, and there's an element of me that I don't, I don't, I don't regret it in totality because I don't wish where I am to be necessarily different, but ongoing, it pains me to know that mentally it's taken a toll.
1: So what about going forward? Like, where do you see the path going forward? And how do you, I guess the question is a little bit like, what have you learned?
0: I've learned for one that when people are putting you on a pedestal, get really worried because that is likely to fall. Even if you do nothing that my come up was very strong. I was suddenly in all these magazines. It was too good to be true. And that had to be punctured. So even today in my personal life, when I specifically have, like, I, I, I don't really go around dating. I have been in very few romantic relationships. And I think as a result, people put me on a, men put me on a pedestal. Uh, I've had strange situations. To be fair,
1: you're a beautiful girl. So they're going to objectify.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I would say that my looks coupled with the fact that when you meet me in person, seeing how, like, non-flirtatious or non, I guess, like, kind of, like, there are people who are flirtatious, and that's great, and that's them, but then it's like, oh, she's, she's pure, like, she really doesn't do this in the space, oh, it's, this is perfect for me, because I'm, I'm also socially awkward, let me, like, it gets out of control, I have stories, I can, one day I'll write a memoir, and it'll be funny and insane, but that always, always, always leads to, oh, like, when I, Reject them, and it gets to a point where I'm like, You literally have to stop contacting me because you're in denial. It leads to, Oh my God, like, how dare you? So it's the same thing where if people put you on a pedestal that's unrealistic, that will lead to reverting to the meat. It's like the market you expect the crypto market to go up 100x, it's going to go down 100x. So, what I've learned moving forward is that I need grounded stability in what I do and to call people out for putting me on a pedestal as much as I call people out for scrutinizing me to the level that is untrue. And
1: that's really interesting. So this idea that there's like an equal and opposite reaction to things. So how, what are you doing to ground yourself and to find that stability?
0: Frankly, I don't have that all figured out. Um, And it's taken a really difficult toll on my mental health because I find that um, other events mirror that ongoing, that insane financial volatility. That's just like outside of the control of just normal risk management uh, in my life. It's just absurd uh, to Personal situations, which are just the volatility in my life hasn't slowed down and it will lead to a breaking point, I'm sure. Um, Mental instability. No, I'm a very flatline person emotionally, I'd say, but the crisis of other things takes a toll on just like the, the, the stress management. Then...
1: But also, I think you it's easy for people to get addicted to that adrenaline.
0: Yeah, because I feel like that's my purpose. It's like, oh, I'm learning. I can, this will make good content when I explain how insane the situation is. Uh, I'm also learning that I want to, that this is the good side of it, is I want to prove everyone wrong by building something that's not out of control, insanely impressive, maybe. But like, I want to build lasting things in business that change the world to where they're like, why would we have thought that she plagiarized small level bullshit? Like she's busy building these things. You know, you don't look at high level CEOs. People think that they're doing weird ass small level shit. That's, you know, they're saying, you, you think that they're doing more large scale issues, which I'm building up. Because they're, they're, they're busy and
1: it's where their focus and attention is. They're
0: busy. And that's what I'm trying to do is keep busy and building things that matter a hell of a lot more than getting accused for, Stealing something that is so commonly known—it's in Wikipedia pages or basic astrology manuals. So that's where it has diverted me. Is like in a grounded way, the solution is focus on the bigger picture, focus on the the, the, the large-scale things that I can change that are not connected to that aren't based on my name and my appearance. So,
1: is there a little bit of a, a Rocky or a Muhammad Ali mentality here, which is like when you get knocked down, you just have to get back up and yeah. keep going because. You know, I think in this world, there are going to be moments where people get canceled yeah. or they get pushed back or they get whatever. And it's really about how you respond to yeah. it and how you come back to continue on yeah. as opposed to, you know, it's one thing I think when you're on a platform, like would you look at Joe Rogan and what just happened with Spotify and everything, you know, when you lose your, even Trump, right? Like Trump lost his platform. And when you lose, when you get deplatformed. Obviously, it's going to have a huge impact yeah. on your ability to come back. Yeah. So I wonder before we shift, I want to cover a couple other things in the crypto space, um, especially around um, some things you mentioned a minute ago. But but you know, when what's your view on deplatforming?
0: Yeah, you cannot find a middle ground. It is either you're okay with it or you aren't. And I'm not okay with deplatforming. I do not care how vile your views are. I want to decentralize it. Because the slippery slope will bleed into where it's going, which is absurd, absurd. Like, I literally don't care how vile your views are. We have the option to mute and follow people. You know what I mean? Like, I think deplatforming is, and I'm a, uh, in my philosophy background, I focused on ethics. And in the utilitarian sense of weighing out where things are going to minimize harm, you thinking that censoring someone minimizes harm in the short term will likely lead to a slippery slope of hurting everyone in the long term when everyone is deplatformed, basically. So, or censored. Exactly, exactly. So it, it's led me to sure have PTSD over what I say, but completely just not want to take people down. And there is a bit of a rocky mentality. Um, in a like, literally, my motto is "kill yourself or get over it." Like you either. And I studied war combat. It's what interests me a lot. So there is this thing of, I will always be at war. Like that's literally how I think of things. And I acknowledge that. And also if I do not keep going, there will be a battle that takes, does take me down with that. And it seems absurd to the people that already made up their mind to think of me fighting back. They're like, shut the fuck up. You're a plagiarist, or whatever. Like keep like, I, what pains me is knowing exactly their rhetoric of, not thinking that this is not a battle. This is, you know, we took you down, like, shoo, shoo.
1: But it's interesting because, like, I don't think of you. I think most of your audience probably doesn't think of you in these ways because uh, one of the other things is that um, you, as the target of this, it probably looms much larger on your personal view of yourself than it does on other people's view of you. So in a weird way, even talking about this in this context, I think it's good to clear the air and set the record straight and and hear what you really think about it. But I also think there's something about saying like you yourself are the one that has to kind of move on from this and be like, Hey, this was a blip. I it wasn't true, whatever. And you move on and you, yes, you're busy. You're building these other things, but it almost feels like you have a little bit of healing to do yourself.
0: Oh, hundred percent. Because I know that, of course, the majority of my audience is like me. When I see these things come up with people I follow, I fucking scroll past. I'm like, please, like this person either didn't say that or it's out of context or come on. Like that's how most people I'm sure because my work speaks for itself. I clearly the plagiarism is so absurd. And I think that's why people latched onto it. Was like, oh my god, that's insane. I would have never thought that. It's definitely all in. A lot of it is in my head, where I feel like every single thing I do is going to be out of control, attacked, and it keeps me from posting some things. And that's really sad. But in my TikTok, I have almost a thousand drafts of things that I don't post because there are days where it's really bad, and I know it's almost all in my head and. Well, it's not all in
1: your head if it's in your DMs.
0: That's true. And those are still bad. I still have people like, why are you still alive? And a lot of the reason why I didn't kill myself around a year ago is because I got so many death threats. I was like, you know, let's prove them a little wrong. Like that was honestly what kept me alive was a little bit of fire. Um, Yeah.
1: Okay. So let's wrap this and move on to the next subject. But in the sense of where you're at now, what do you think is the most important lesson you learned from all this?
0: Most important lesson I learned from all this is being sure of who you are, because when your head's on the chopping block, even if someone means well, they might suddenly become a different person who something inside them subconsciously doesn't save you, that no one is going to save you, and there might be a chance that no one has your back, and I've learned that you have to be sure enough in yourself to be okay with that, or you won't survive. And I think I barely survived it. Like literally barely. I had to be not allowed to see my family in Texas because I openly was trying to get a gun. And that if you will not save yourself, no one else will. So the biggest lesson I learned was be okay with having no one by your side and everyone by your side. Take the love, take the hate in one year, out the other, because it's fleeting and it's all a projection to a certain degree.
1: Yeah, well, and I think it bears saying that, like you know, for anyone out there who feels like they can't survive it or yeah. they they would harm themselves in any way, there are resources and support yeah. because it, that's never the answer and yeah. that is never the solution. You know, yeah. that is only um, you know the, the worst possible way to you know even even though people feel that pressure and they feel that vitriol and hate, no matter what, that that can't be the the right. answer because that's yeah. that is. That is the evil in a way. Yeah. You
0: know? Yeah. The that's like the main difficulty in my life still is like daily seeing the upside in living and the small parts, like <laughs> it just you have to find the humor in it all. Cause it's like that would suck for my employees if their CEO killed herself. Like that's inconvenient. Like <laughs> little things like that where it 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 I it's I don't like to think of it as the cowardly move or whatever. Like there's some circumstances where someone could have been like that was the right decision, but in this case, there's still people that count on me, count on my content, mm-hmm. like what I do. And so, even though there are times when I have to take a break off social media if it gets bad, and I'm just like, it can't right now. There are supporters, and I want to be there, maybe as a resource when this happens to other people because it has happened to other astrologers after me, not to the scale, but like they're like, shit, I see it, and I'm like, yeah, you do something important in the world, there'll be people at your head.
1: Let's talk about. I'll just cover two more things yeah. before we wrap up. We've covered that. Your role as a woman in crypto, you mentioned a few minutes ago, this idea of like the kind of pedestal and the way that women are treated in crypto, you know, it's probably nine to one in terms of guys to girls. And so I've seen you at certain events and just this week here at East Denver where it's like all guys, do you have any message for the guys?
0: I'd say just treat us like people i openly refuse to be on any women in blockchain panel any like jews and like no shut up uh i'm a person so i'd say just see us as fucking people and if you're into us just let us know and if we are we'll let you know and usually the case it's going to be no but like thank you just i'd say just like cut the bs and just treat us as people and um unless a woman is passionately representing women in blockchain we just want to build and invest alongside you all so like It's not that big of a deal. That's
1: how I'd say it, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then um, in terms of where you see crypto going, I want to finish on the bigger picture of where we started in terms of your original work with geopolitics. I think it's extremely relevant right now. But can you give us a look at how your astrology work it's very interesting because you had this new company we haven't even really talked yeah. about that and i don't even know how much you can talk about it but talk, yeah. it is pretty exciting yeah. tell us about how the rest of the year looks for you in terms of your crypto project and yeah. like the readings and the, the astrology work you've done for crypto in general like yeah. give us the highlights of say now to the end of the year
0: until may um the crypto market does not look too good <laughs> The same alignment that took place over the summer of May into July when we had the down market is happening right now until this next, this May. So I'm not too optimistic. In fact, as a trader, because I'm building something and I can't dedicate as much time to studying charts, I'm largely hands-off and that pains me because I'm good at shorting, but I know that without the proper time, I'm going to be missing indicators type things. So I'm not too optimistic. Uh, I think we could obviously recover, but nothing crazy, Uh, if anything. The instability with the United States financial markets, the Pluto return, which we talk a lot about, and it's exact right That's now. That's February
1: 18th. Isn't that like two days right ago? Now. No, it's yeah. exact
0: right now. Pluto moves so slowly to where the entire year is in in a, in a range. But today, tomorrow, and the 22nd is the exactness of it. Uh, I just, it, it looks gnarly for the foundations of our life. it's
1: especially crazy given you've yeah. been talking about Pluto return for the US yeah. for like two years, yeah. and we're like hours away from... Russia invading Ukraine, Yes. do you think that there's a connection there?
0: Yes, because the U.S., if you look at the chart of the U.S. empire, we hit the peak maybe a couple decades ago, 90s, it could be it, we're on the come down. And China's on the rise up and Russia is uh, trying to declare its role in the the supporting role between that dynamic. And with the invasion of Ukraine, I have never seen such striking reinforced astrology over and over since the u.s election with what i saw with joe biden censorship kamala harris getting that she still has power to come and uh then january 6th being like a kind of tipping point of, of uh, like it's like a pot
1: boiled, boiled over yeah, with John, yeah, gen six in the
0: US. and with the the i don't even have ukraine's chart right now i only have russia studied that i was pretty shocked at what i was seeing And because of that, I think that March looks really dire. April, May looks insane. And that confuses me because I know that Russia can't really invade Ukraine in the way that there would be because of ice. It'll be gone in April, May.
1: No, but it's not going to be that. It's a cyber war.
0: That's what I agree with. I agree it's going to be cyber because that is much less resources, a straight shot, Payment rails being cut off makes a lot of sense with what I see with Russia's financial things. They probably get dogged to Ripple to be honest. I think that makes a lot of sense. So I see a lot of cyber. I see I, I see a lead up into the cyber World War III. Uh, this is how World Wars start. A proxy war ends up bringing in obligations from larger world powers. You know what happened in World War I? It's like, oh, I should help out with that. They're doing some foul play and then everyone has a side. So I'm not optimistic, but I'm not like concerned about like our immediate safety. Um, it's different than, you know, World War II or something like that, where there's still good things, obviously, but in a geo- we are living in the possibly the coolest times to be in financial astrology right now and world geopolitics because so many cycles are converging. Mm-hmm.
1: And then um, generally for, um, you know, you've, you've had predictions um, based on your chart work around uh, the U S generally this Pluto return has been a big deal. Can just for people who don't know what that means, can you just explain quickly the yeah. U S is Pluto return?
0: So everything ever created has a birth chart, whether that is a person or a country or a business, we all have the chart of our moment of inception or creation ingrained as the map of our life. And Pluto is a planet that takes 248 years to return to the position that it was in a natal chart So it takes 248 years to orbit. So the U.S. was created 248 years ago, one could argue, during the Declaration of Independence being signed. And as of 2022, 248 years later, Pluto is returning to the exact spot that it was when the U.S. was declared independent. Pluto represents death, rebirth, upheaval, transformation. So when it returns to its spot in something's natal chart, It means that that area of the chart, whatever area of the chart Pluto is in, is getting a massive death, rebirth, and upheaval. Are
1: there many Pluto returns? Every, like, like, because it's two hundred and forty-eight years. like yeah. so an average person wouldn't have a yeah. you know, return in no, their life. No person never does. So, it's really just about bigger things. Just, yeah, yeah, countries,
0: empires. Um, it's always countries or empires, basically. And there's a reason why empires either fall or are definitely reshifted after two hundred fifty years or so. You can test this, back test it. It is insane that um, even those that have been around longer, Britain, France. They went through dethronings, getting very changed during the 250-year point. So with this happening to the U.S., it's in the financial sector, which shows that the U.S. is, I don't want to say downfall in a dramatic way, but dethronement is largely linked to the financial infrastructure and not being able to support it anymore. That's trying to maintain this fiat currency backing and the money printing and the QE is largely contributing to the ability for other countries to swoop in and be a bigger world power. So that's what the blue return is, is financial upheaval for the US that directly leads into its dethroning as the major world power.
1: That's a pretty big uh, prediction. Yeah. Okay. So final thing, what are you most optimistic about from the chart work that you're looking at right now? Like, when you look at the charts, is there anything that you see as being particularly exciting and positive?
0: Actually, this March, there are a lot of beautiful alignments in the sign of Pisces. We have Jupiter in Pisces, we have Venus in Pisces, two planets that are very strong there. So, I actually think that um, there are going to be some beautiful moments for a lot of people to travel, a lot of people to experience some things this March, as it seems like in line with the Jupiter and Pisces predictions uh, for, that I had, and I'm sure other astrologers had, and I didn't take them in. But yeah, I'm sure it's kind of obvious that. Easing of restrictions around travel, I think, will open up a lot of people to travel and experience things more in this March. So that's pretty nice.
1: <laughs> Great. Yeah. Okay, so Marin, that's um, a wonderful conversation. Again, we're here at ETH Denver, the premier conference in the United States. Uh, 12,000 okay. people here working on Ethereum, Ideas, Blockchains, Layer 2, Sidechains, everything um, Ethereum-related in the world of crypto. Maren, it's been great catching up with you. I'm really excited um, to do some more things with you this year, um, have you in the Hub Culture community. For our listeners, you can find Maren on TikTok at Maren Altman. Yep,
0: all platforms, Maren Altman.
1: Yeah, and uh, amazing, amazing content. Um, be sure to uh, try not to flamethrow too much. And I guess even if they do, you're going to be able to take it.
0: That's fine. Come at me. Better me than someone else.
1: (laughs) All right. Thanks so much, Maren. Thank
0: you.
1: For those of you who want more, you can get over 60 episodes of the Hub Culture Chronicles on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud. Find us in Emerald City, our metaverse. And check us out at some of the hubs coming up this summer in Ibiza, in Hawaii, and Davos coming up in May 2022. For now, I'm signing off. Stan Stolniker. We want to give a special thanks to New Angel Productions, which have been producing these episodes for us over the last couple of years. Thanks so much, guys.